Hi everybody, this is Dr. Eric Corum, founder of AIM7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. Today, I'm joined by Andy Maurer. Andy is the co-founder and CEO of Pursue Whole, a company that integrates therapy and executive coaching for high-level leaders, addressing both emotional and functional barriers to success. As a former therapist and professor of human and sports psychology, Andy has taken the best of cutting-edge neuroscience and performance research and paired it with therapeutic best practices to create the Pursue Whole Coaching Model. His unique framework brings clarity, relief, and growth to the struggles leaders face on the inside. In this episode, we discuss how to examine your leadership identity, why pain leads to growth, and why leaders need to shift their focus from criticism and correction to curiosity and compassion. But before we get started, if you are an avid listener of The Blueprint, please take a moment, push pause, and leave us a comment and review on whichever listening platform you are joining us from, as this will help us get featured in the news and noteworthy section and get discovered by more folks. But now, it's time to lean in and learn from the best. Andy, thank you so much for joining me today on The Blueprint. Excited to talk about whole leadership. And so if we could just start off by you defining what is whole leadership and why do you believe it's essential to the success and growth of leaders and just your personal life and in business? Yeah. Let me start with first kind of pursue whole as a, as a whole. We started pursue whole with this belief that leaders are going to change the world, but it's whole leaders who are going to change that world for the better. And we believe that whole leaders, the best way to think through that is with the analogy of a family. So back when I did therapy, I used to do some family therapy and we would use a system called systems theory or systems thinking, which is the belief that the whole is only as good as its comprised parts. So if a family comes into therapy, oftentimes that family is going to have what they call an identified patient which is basically the problem person. So they're going to come in, parents are going to bring their kiddo into therapy and say, my child is having issues, fix my child, and then our family is going to be better. And a really good therapist is going to look at that whole system and say, actually, it's the system that's off. And fixing one part is not going to fix the whole system. Every single part in that system has to be fixed. So within a family, every person has unique gifts and roles and plays different parts. And the health of that entire family is dependent upon the health of each one of those parts. Now, as leaders, I believe that leaders have different parts inside of themselves that they operate out of. And there's three primary parts that we operate out of, one being the chief performance officer, the second being the chief checkout officer, and then the third being the chief emotions officer. So let's break these three down. The chief performance officer is that part of ourself that looks really good, is managed, linear and logical. It's organized, it's productive. It's that high performance part of ourself. But if you sit down with those parts or those leaders, they'll typically say, hey, I'm really exhausted from having to perform and be on and to basically push myself harder than you know anyone else. And when we push ourselves that way, we tend to slide into the second part, which is the chief checkout officer, which is where we need to numb the pain of life or we need to escape or we have you know addictions or we have eating disorders or we have other things that we usually cope with as a way to deal with all that pressure of holding it together now these are often the parts of ourselves that we don't like to show other people but it's how we cope and manage with life so we start with the chief performance officer 
the weekend hits or the evening hits and we slide into this chief checkout officer. And then once we have to get back to performing, we kind of kick ourselves in the butt and get back to this controlled performance oriented part of ourselves. And a lot of leaders are stuck between those two parts and they just cycle between those two parts back and forth. Hold it together, check out. Hold it together, check out. And there's a lot of shame in that system. We believe that there's a third part here, which is the chief emotions officer. And this part of us carries with it a lot of our sense of purpose and meaning. It's really good at connection and empathy. It feels deep emotions like pain or grief or loneliness or sadness. And most of the time when these leaders come in to work with me through coaching, they want to take that chief emotions officer and they would like to cut that part off so that they can perform better. And I have to tell them if we cut that part off, you won't be able to be whole because that's a part of who you are. It's actually that part that carries with it the capacity for purpose and meaning, connection, depth, uh, authenticity, which is all the things that they want, but they're trying to get that through performance. So wholeness is not prioritizing one of these parts. It's actually prioritizing each one and recognizing their unique gifting and have them work together well. So that's how I would define wholeness is not prioritizing just that high performance part of ourself, but really integrating all those parts as, and being a whole leader as being one leader. When a leader comes into your program and they start addressing the performance officer, the checkout officer and the motions officer, and they start realizing that all three of these things are important. What changes do you typically see when they start really looking at themselves from a systems approach? Which I appreciate that systems versus like yeah. a reductionist approach. Exactly. I think there's a lot of ownership and accountability because oftentimes my leaders will come in and point out, you know, I'll do a lot of empty chair work. So I'll have them actually sit in different chairs based on which parts they're in and I'll have them talk from that part. So what we discover through that process is they have this very toxic, tense relationship inside of themselves. So I'll have them sit in that emotions part and I'll say, how does that high performer treat you? They're like pretty poorly, never lets me come out, doesn't let me to engage in life, doesn't let me talk to my friends or community, always pushes me down, always shames me, always tells me I'm not enough. Okay. You cannot have a healthy system if you have that internal chaos going on. Um, you can't have healthy co-founder relationships when the two co-founders are, are at odds with one another. So what we do is we teach, for one, we teach that high performance part to create a boundary where it stops shaming and pushing and driving that part that's struggling. And then we teach that part that's struggling to be more open and honest about what it actually feels, uh, to get a little bit more open about sharing some of those emotions. And we're rebuilding that relationship. And as we do that, What's ironic is that they actually start to experience a lot more peace, rest. They feel like they can show up authentically themselves rather than having to put on an image of who they feel like they're supposed to be. And research bears this out too. Their performance actually gets better because they're able to tap into a flow state more consistently. When we're fragmented like that on the inside between these different parts, uh, it's very difficult to get into a flow state. It's a lot more about overriding parts of ourself rather than having them be integrated and flowing through more of an agile process of life. I can see this for myself in the sense that like, I always want to be performing. I always want to be on. 
in order to do that, sometimes you kind of have to cut yourself off. You feel like you have to like void these emotions and things that you're feeling in these other areas. And eventually that's self-destructive. And yeah. so I don't think many people really give themselves the time to think through how those pieces are interacting with your ability to perform. And so this is really crucial work. Why is it important for us to be introspective about our identity and how we're evaluating and where we're gaining our identity from. Yeah. So leaders have become oftentimes who other people want them to become or what the business or what the organization needs them to become. They don't often know who they are. Okay. And they've become really good salespeople. They've become really good at marketing. They're often leaders in their community. Uh, and a great analogy for this, if you've ever done pottery, Eric, I used to do pottery as a kiddo and in high school, and we'd have this big lump of clay and we'd stick it on a wheel and you'd use your hands as this wheel spins the clay around and around. You can use your hands to shape the outside of the clay. You can even have different tools to create markings and structure, and you can make a really elaborate external image on the clay. And that's what a lot of leaders do is they have other people in the world tell them who they're supposed to be and they have in their head what a good leader quote is, but they haven't done the hard work to in pottery, sticking your hand actually down in the center of the clay and pushing back against the edge is what actually creates depth and breadth and room inside of the clay to become a pot, to actually hold something of substance. And if you can't do the deep work to actually put your hand inside the clay and push out against what people have told you you need to be or what you think you're supposed to be, you're never going to be able to hold substance and you're not going to be able to have a sense of uh, why you do what you do who you are, what you like, what you don't like, what you want out of life. And I think identity is so important is because if we don't have that, if we haven't developed that, we're going to get really burned out and exhausted. We're going to have all the success and all the fame, and yet we're going to be asking questions like, why am I doing this? What's the point? Oh, I just need to perform more and more and more. Or we're going to feel on the flip side, the shame of not performing because we have in our head this image of what a great leader is supposed to be. When the best leaders that I've seen are those who actually figure out who they really are and allow that to be defined, that they can be a great leader in who they are and coming to terms with, you know, all kinds of parts of themselves, their gifts and their struggles. If you're someone that's pushing to be your best at work, at home, or in your personal life, then I invite you to sign up for my weekly newsletter, Adaptation. In this newsletter, I curate actionable information and resources for high performers just like you. You can sign up now by clicking the link in the show notes or going to www.ericcorum.com. Now, back to the show. Man, this is really necessary. Yeah. Because you hear so many times where these leaders in sports or business or whatever, they accomplish something great and they're like, that's it. That's all there is. Yeah. And then tragic things sometimes happen. How do you go about identifying who you are as a person? Does this start with identifying your core values? Is there a process that you lead people through? Yeah, yeah through our coaching program, we actually go through a process where we help people envision leaders or athletes or entertainment executives, a vision of who they want to be in five years from now. Now, the language around this is very specific because a lot of these leaders, they've done five-year visions, 10-year visions around what they're building and what they want to accomplish. Very few of them have done a vision around who they want to become as a person. How do you want to make people feel when they're in your presence? 
What do you want to feel on the inside? What impact do you want to have on the world around you? How do you want to be known as a person? And what I'll typically ask these leaders to do is I actually want them to not think about their family or their kids or their employees or their teammates as they craft this vision of who they want to be. And there's a reason why I do that, because leaders have been trained to be codependent to become whatever people want them to be. So as they craft this vision of who they're, they want to become or who they're supposed to be or who they want to be, they'll often ask questions like, well, what does my wife want? Or what, is my, what does my kids want me to be? Or what's demanded of me in the business? And I say, you need to get all that out of there. And you need to make a decision on who you are and what you want to be. As we go through that process, then we will actually look at, okay, if that's where you want to be in five years and who you want to be, what are the internal roadblocks and what are the external roadblocks that are going to get in the way of you achieving that? So an internal roadblock might be this inability to slow down. I'm that high performer who always goes to the next thing and I'm always learning. But when I think about sitting still, it terrifies me. I can't sit still for longer than, you know, 60 seconds. Well, if your vision in the future is to be someone who's able to sit with people, connect with them, help them feel seen and known, I'm sorry, but we got to work on that. <laughs> because if you want to help people feel seen and known, and yet right now you can't sit in silence with yourself, you're not going to be able to create a safe place for people to feel seen and known. So we cast that vision and that vision reveals the problems or the inabilities or the growth areas that we need to work on today in order to get there. I think there's often disconnect of what we want to be and where we are right now. And then yeah. it's usually somebody has to point out to us like, Hey, you know, you think you're doing this and sometimes it's a spouse or it's a friend and that can be a painful process. Uh, do you find that leaders sometimes as they begin to examine these things, they get, I don't know, their pride gets hurt or they feel like they failed. And do you have to help them kind of build them back up? Like, no, 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 no. By going through this process, you're actually succeeding. You know what I'm saying? Cause it's always wins and losses. It's, are you ahead yeah. or are you behind? Yeah. It depends on the leader. Uh, it depends on where they're at in their stage of growth. I'll just say this. I think the leaders who do best with this type of work are those who have a growth mindset to recognize that they don't have to prove themselves to anyone, that they're in a constant state of evolution. And for those leaders, they're more open to recognizing when they're wrong because they recognize that their entire life is a process of trial and error, of growth and failure. And they welcome that. It's when people have a very fragile sense of identity. When I push on these things, they push back really hard. And that's a symptom and that's a sign that really they don't know who they are and they feel very insecure about who they are. And it's been based in their performance because as soon as we start to have them not perform, they don't know what to do with that. So there's kind of a slow, gentle process to go about this. But we believe at Pursue Whole that pain is a pathway to the growth. It's a pathway to the most meaningful things in life. We understand that through exercise. We understand that through childbirth and delivery. We understand that through business when we ask questions like, what's not working? How do we get better? So we just need to do that emotionally for ourselves and say, okay, if I embrace emotional pain like loneliness or fear or discouragement, maybe learning how to embrace that and sit with that is a pathway to growth that I really want in my life. But we haven't been taught in our communities and society on what to actually do with emotional pain. What we've been taught to do with it is to override it through performance. And that's ultimately going to lead to burnout and exhaustion. Wow. That is really powerful. 
you know, if you want to get better, you mentioned adaptation earlier, like there is stress that's required for the human organism to take on physical or psychological. And sometimes, and a lot of times it's painful or agitating. And uh, I think that's something that we need to kind of shift our mindset on is like, these things are good in a sense, as long as there's kind of guardrails on it. Um, I was taking furious notes here because I think that's really, really um, reticent for the time that we're in, especially if you are a leader that like, this is something, you know, we talk about the pain of the organization, growing pains. Well, you're going to have to go through them as well. Like I've learned a lot about myself in the past two years as being an entrepreneur. And I look back on myself and I'm like, gosh, Mm-hmm. there's parts of me. I'm glad that I'm leaving behind. Yes. Like you've ever heard of like the old man, the parts of you that just cling to you, your flesh. And I, I really can identify with this process. Sometimes we don't have to leave them behind. We just have to make sure they're not driving the car. So an analogy that I love is a car has multiple seats in it. It's got the driver's seat, the passenger seat, the back seat, and then we have the trunk, (laughs) okay? A lot of leaders put that emotion in the trunk so it can't actually experience life, it can't influence them, and that high performance part is driving the entire time. No wonder they're tired and exhausted. An agile leader is gonna recognize that that emotion and logic are in the car and they can switch over passenger driver and it's not a matter of getting rid of that part it's just coaching it teaching it helping it mature so that it's not you know blowing up on people and it's not going to depression when something doesn't work out but it's very much a kind of parental role that we have to play with these parts it's not just getting rid of them but really saying hey why are you struggling? Why do you have always go to depression or discouragement and helping those parts actually grow up and learn new ways of coping with life? No, that's beautiful. I was thinking more along the lines of like pride, negative things, things that I look back on my life and not to say that I'm without pride by any means, but things that I can look back on and go, man, I was in these leadership roles and these were some real negative things that I was carrying with me. And now that I have some perspective on what my identity really is, that I can shed that. Does that make sense? It does. And yet at the same time, you know, Eric, I lean into this a little bit because, you know, if we sit across from that pride, what was that pride trying to do? Oftentimes those parts of ourselves. They don't wake up in the morning wanting to hurt people, wanting to be arrogant. They're trying to cope with the stresses of life. They're trying to cope with the insecurities that are prevalent on the inside. And when we see that these parts are just trying to survive and cope, it gives us compassion on them rather than agitation on those mistakes that we've made. I lean into that a little bit because I think a lot of leaders think, oh, these parts of myself and how I've hurt people with pride or with addiction, they start to resent those parts instead of having compassion and recognize, you know what those parts are trying to do? They're just trying to figure out life. They're just trying to help me feel safe. They're just trying to navigate difficult relationships. And when we can do that, it actually brings a sense of peace rather than feeling like we have to kind of cut off and close the door to those parts. Yeah, you're having compassion on yourself. Yes. And that you don't have to be perfect. Nobody's been perfect. There's only one person. (laughs) And uh, yeah, 100%. I, I see what you're saying here. It's like we can be really hard on ourselves. You're like, oh, Eric, you got to quit that. Get out of that. And instead of being like, well, why, why were you acting that way? Yeah. Yeah. What were you trying to protect? Yeah. Spot on, spot on. I think leaders go instantly to criticism and correction. I think they could do a better job at going into curiosity and compassion. 
double click on that. Yep. And they need to settle into curiosity and compassion, which is instead of stopping the problem and changing it, asking questions like, man, what's going on on the inside that I would blow up at my spouse that way? What do I really feel afraid about that's going to happen if this doesn't work out? Why do I feel the need to control my life? What would it be like to open up my hands and let go of that control? Asking those questions and then pausing for like 10 to 20 seconds gives you insight into areas of your life that no book, no growth, no high performance model is going to give you. Because it's not about moving forward. It's about moving down and then building tolerance for that and then building down deeper tolerance, building down deeper. It's like an ice bath. Like the, you jump in, first thing you want to do is get out of there. When we deal with emotion, leaders want to go down and then they want to move into action really fast. They actually need to go down and pause, feel the anxiety in their chest, the tension in their body. Okay, drop down again. Feel that emotion come up. Notice it. Where is it in the body? Does that emotion want to say, okay, drop down deeper? I think there's multiple layers we could drop down. Leaders just drop down one notch and then they go forward. I would love to see leaders drop down on more notches because then when they actually do move forward, they can move forward with more intention, more purpose, and more direction. They know where they're going. You are you don't dropping have, like knowledge bombs here. This is really good. You don't have to teach leaders to move. They got to where they are because they've moved and they've progressed and they've overcome. These leaders don't struggle with movement. They struggle with slowing down to get clear about why they're moving. Bias towards action. And we're yes. not biased towards reflection. contemplation and like reflection. Yeah, yeah 100%. Yeah. So if somebody's listening to this and like, okay, I need this, or I have a boss that needs this, or, or a friend. How can they find you to learn more about Pursue Whole? Yeah, they can go to pursuewhole.com. If they want to learn about our coaching program, they can go to pursuewhole.com slash coaching. We offer six-month coaching programs around just this. We really help people identify where they're headed, who they want to become. And then that reveals some of the emotional issues that are going on on the inside that are getting in the way. Myself, as well as our other coach, are trained as clinical therapists. We don't do that anymore. We operate as coaches, but it gives us the opportunity to drop below the line and give above the line tactics and skills. But notoriously, <laughs> leaders come in and they want the tactics and the to-dos first. And I say, why don't we figure out why you want to go there and where you're actually headed? And then let's just move towards that. But first, we got to do some work to drop down. So we work with CEOs, we work with entertainment executives and professional athletes to help them discover where they're going and why and how to remove some of the emotional barriers. This has been phenomenal. We will put all this in the show notes. They can contact you. I really appreciate you, Andy. Thank you so much for your wisdom. This is going to be something I'm going to have to listen to and reflect on personally. I really appreciate you. You bet. Happy to be here. If you enjoyed today's episode, do me a favor, take a screenshot of the podcast and share it with a friend that you think this could be a value add to their life. Thanks again for listening. And I'll catch you on the next episode.